This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, we've been talking about the four biggest players that remained out there on the free agent market in the world of baseball, Dave. The four Borismen, as they've been <laughs> tagged. One of them is off the market. Cody Bellinger has signed with the Chicago Cubs. Three years, $80 million. Did that over the weekend, but essentially he's got outs after the first two years. So feels like a series of one-year deals if he wants it. He'll get $30 million this year, and he can, if he has a year like he had last year, I'm going to go ahead and guess he's going to opt out and look for the big-time long-term deal. Mm-hmm. So he's. It, it turns into a good deal for him because he's, while betting on himself once again, he, he does have those three years. If he has a bad year, all right, I'll just go ahead and remain here. I will not opt out and collect my $80 million over three years. Or if I come out there and crush it like I did last year, I hit the free agent market once again to capitalize, meanwhile making $30 million this year. So that works out pretty good for him, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, he's in a good position, man. And I'm just looking at a uh, couple of uh, all-star appearances for him and batted 307 last year, 130 games. So so uh, who are the four horsemen of the uh, apocalypse? <laughs> well, it's him, it's Blake Snell, and Snell, it's, it's uh, our guy Matt Chapman. And Montgomery, pitcher from the Rangers. Death, famine, war, and conquest. <clears throat> All right. That's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll go with you the, on that the one. The Borisman. The Borisman. I love that. Uh, but yeah, he's got he's got opt-outs after the first and second years of the deal. So he'll make $30 million this year, $30 million in 2025 if he doesn't opt out, and then $20 million in 2026 if he doesn't opt out after the second year. So he's, he, again, coming off a huge year. Uh, I think there's probably was some reluctance to commit to him, you know, with one of these big seven, eight, nine, ten year deals we've seen guys sign. Now he's 28 years old, so he's not as young as like Juan Soto or some of these other guys. But yeah, but in a one year deal, you get another shot at the yeah, you'll be 29 years old market. Yeah, yeah, he's under 30. Yeah, he'll be in a he'll be in a great position, and he's going to have generational wealth as it is. So um, good on him. But the, now the question becomes: Does well, there's a couple of things. I saw some people over the weekend saying, so the Mariners couldn't even commit to a one-year, basically a one-year $30 million is what it is. Now, if he goes out there and stinks it up, if hypothetically comes out here, signs with the Mariners for that same deal, what if he comes out here and just falls on his face? T-Mobile Park's not friendly to him. He's not hitting. He gets in his own head like we've seen other hitters uh, do at T-Mobile, and he doesn't hit well. He's not going to opt out of that contract. He's going to stick around and collect the remaining $50 million. So... I kind of get why why a team like the Mariners, uh, who are very uh, budget conscious, wouldn't commit to that. Now, if they could just sign him to an outright one-year deal, there is no option for second or third year. It's a one-year deal. You'd like to think they would, they'd be kicking the tires on that, but I'm guessing that was a non-starter for Boris. Yeah. Well, and, and as far as uh, Chapman goes, I, I don't think that's happening. I, I feel like, you know, with all the feel-good right now, the, you know, we just read – all the stuff that Divish wrote about, about Scott's service, and this feels like a good, solid team. I almost feel like it would be it'd be something I, I, I don't think the the players on this team would be ready for that. If they signed Chapman? Yeah. Do you, I, I feel like they've got their, 
their core. I think they'd core. be okay. I think they'd be well because you wouldn't be disrupting the core with the addition of him. He's not replacing Gino Suarez there. Yeah. He's replacing Urias, uh, who yeah. who has yet to play a game with this team. You know, in in earnest. And, and you in, got Rojas, so he can still be there. Well, I would love for him to be our third baseman. Just Rojas he needs to be really good. Well, yeah, that'd be great because it's a great interview. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he needs to be much better than he's. I mean, that's a power position, and he, and he's not a power hitter. His his career high in home runs is eleven. So he's in. And Urias is a guy who's dealing with some sort of uh, shoulder injury or something going on right now. As we've heard, he has not thrown a ball. So uh, that feels like a a potential problem at third base. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I I, I don't feel awesome about third base. And if they were able to get Chapman. That would be huge, but I'm I I put it at five percent before, and then we yeah. had Divishon who said there's a better chance he quits drinking than them sure. signing Chapman, which maybe brings it down to two percent. I'm not really sure, but Divish did say Chapman would be a great fit if they were to make it happen because of his defense, and the M's won't need superstar level offense from him. And that's why people were talking about Matt Chapman is because like you put him there, then all of a sudden you have a plus 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 defensive player uh, who helps out J.P. Crawford. And JP's not great going to his right and going into the hole. So you have Matt Chapman at third. That helps some issues. And then, you know, you're not asking also Matt Chapman to be a massive offensive presence. You're just asking him to bat six or seventh and, you know, hit some home runs and be that guy. And I think that's, if you look at that, that's where your, your, your one piece is. That's your finishing piece. I think if they, they had any way to do that or anybody else that could play there, I think they would. That's, I think that's another reason why they brought in uh, Brian Anderson on the minor league side is you got to have some depth at that position. I wonder, you know, that's something that uh, hadn't really, really focused on was that JP's not great at going to his right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get somebody there with range at third base could, you know, uh, have kind of a synergy there. But, yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen either. I'm I'm with Divish on this one. I, I feel like they're done right now. They have their, you know, maybe maybe they do something at the at the deadline if needed, but It'll be interesting to see those. I mean, that's the one position where, I mean, again, the, the rotation I think is fantastic. The fact that they kept Wu and Miller I think is a little bit of a surprise. And, you know, kind of a, that was kind of a long shot, I thought, at one point. And, you know, so your rotation's good. You're, you're good at, you know, a lot of places. It sounds like maybe Ty France is going to be back. So, um, you know, back to being Ty France. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's a hole there. But, yeah, I, I feel like for the most part, I, I feel pretty good about this team. Yeah, I mean, I certainly feel better about them than I did going into last season. They're, I always have to throw it out the caveat if they're healthy. This is a better team, but health is a huge, huge part of it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But um, by the way, Ty France looks to be back to being Ty France because he was also outside of lining the double down the left field line. He was plunked. So oh, he's already been yeah. hit by a pitch. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, I got took it in the elbow guard. He was fine, but yeah, he's already been hit by a pitch. I was asking Ryan Roland Smith about that. Like, what, what is it about him? And it's, he's just like, yeah, he just refuses to budge. Yeah, he'll kind of you know? he, this one. He kind of tried to spin out of the way, but he, he brings that elbow. Yeah. He kind of pops it out there. So he's not he's not just going to stand there and be a target. But he'll he's not going to hit the dirt either. Yeah. Unless it's at that at his head, uh, but Divish talked about the third base situation not not being the most appealing right now. I look at Urias; he's not throwing. He still hasn't thrown in infield drills yet. He's playing catch, but it's very like light catch and looks uncomfortable. So you know, I mean, he's got a month to be ready for opening day, but you know, he's still not throwing across the diamond in drills. 
you know, Rojas isn't naturally a third baseman. That's not his position by any means. So he has looked, you know, I wouldn't say out like gold glove. Like they're 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 taking a significant step down defensive from where Suarez was. Yeah, they are. They're, that's again third base. That's a power position. You expect production out of that spot, and you've got two guys there that production's a big time question. It'd be different if hey man, both these guys are stellar defenders. Yeah, maybe they don't hit the way you'd you'd want your third baseman to hit in terms of power and driving in runs, but they, the defense is gonna maybe make up for some of that. It doesn't feel like that right now. Gino, what a great surprise he was at third base. We got kind of spoiled there. I mean, and that was spoiled having Seager for as long as you did before him. Yeah, that wasn't expected, you know, out of Gino. So that that one and also, you know, he was part of why there were some, you know, not everybody was content in that in that clubhouse. You know, you mentioned uh, that move, um, the Kendall Graveman move and mm-hmm. you know, Seawald yeah. and yeah, and Gino really endeared himself pretty quickly to this team. And yeah, that's a that's a big loss. But, you know, that the other thing I think. We'll hear it later. Salk was telling us Urias is not the biggest guy in the world, not like he's a big power hitter or anything like that. So that's kind of what you expect from that position. Yeah, and, you know, he's part of, you know, some early injuries, if you will. Again, it is spring training. It is early. So for the most part, you look at those things and go, all right, they're going to err on the side of caution, especially the first week. You've played now three games in spring training, so yeah. you're not going to push anybody. If somebody says, oh, man, I'm a little sore here today, my leg, my arm, whatever, they're going to have a seat. Have a seat. There's there's nothing of consequence that's going to happen in this game where we've got to push anybody to do anything. So I get that. Uh, when we talked to Divish, he talked about some of the uh, injuries that they were dealing with at the time. If they're healthy, it's really, really good because, you, you know, you go out and get Gregory Santos from the White Sox, you know, you have Brash and Munoz coming back. Then you have Gabe Spire, who was outstanding. That's four really good high leverage arms in the bullpen. Now, Brash ha- didn't feel great after his last bullpen on Tuesday. Hasn't thrown since. Santos didn't feel great after his bullpen when he got here, I think, on February 13th. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really thrown since. So that's an issue. Again, that's a long spring training. They can be ready to go by opening day. And you still just, the goal is to have them for the bulk of the season. But you have those four guys. And then it's the other four you pick up. I mean, like with the Mariners, I trust their, I would trust, if I was a fan, I would trust their pitching lab to come up with guys that can do this. I like the way he put that, their pitching lab, because they have, yeah. they've done a really good job with, uh, with the bullpen. And I guess my only concern, you know, like Julio, he hasn't played in a game yet because of the inflammation in his hand and, mm-hmm. you know, they're shutting guys down, but more than a couple of times that we've heard about Brash and that, you know, they had to rely on him pretty heavily last year so um yeah hopefully they're they're able to kind of give him a break a little bit yeah yeah we'll keep an eye on those i don't you know we'll we'll talk to Saul. he's down there he'll join us at five o'clock and we'll ask about those injuries but right now you're looking at the two bullpen guys and that he just mentioned there and brash and santos and then urias and then julio all dealing with some form of injury or soreness and have uh, yet to do much of anything for some of them, nothing. So we'll we'll see how much that changes as the days go on. A couple of stories that happened in the NFL over the weekend, both former NFL players. Um, our guy Richard Sherman arrested for suspicion of DUI early Saturday morning. Saw that. that that's one where you go, okay, this is a guy who had the um, the run in before where he was. He was, uh, I think it was a a domestic violence charge. He pleaded down. The charge changed. 
uh, after the last one. Uh, in 2022, pleaded guilty in Seattle to two misdemeanor charges stemming from a drunken driving and domestic disturbance the year before. Also admitted to a criminal infraction of speeding in a roadway construction zone. Whatever. So he had that happen before. Seemed like he did everything he was required to do, whether it was courses or, or whatever was attached to that. Then for it to happen again, you're just like, man, first of all, Richard Sherman or, or Joe Schmigegi, doesn't matter. You're getting behind the wheel after you've been drinking. It's it's really one of the more selfish things you can do because you're not, it's not just you that's at risk. It's anybody that's in your car and then it's anybody else out on the road, whether you're a, another person in a car, on a motorcycle, a bike, a pedestrian. I mean, you just don't know. And we were, you know, you and I were talking during the break and I showed you those pictures of, of Marshawn when he was picked up. I mean, he's he's passed out in his front seat with, for some reason, his pants are halfway down. <laughs> I think that's the way they're wearing pants. Yeah, the, that's that's um, the cool way to do no, it. I'm and not the whole making fr- light of it. The whole front end of his car, like yeah. the tire's gone. Like, I don't know what he hit. He clearly didn't know what he hit. And you're like, what are you guys doing, man? What do you, I don't care that you were a star for our team and we love you as a player. It's one of the more selfish things that you can do out there. And if you're that out of it to where you're hitting things and you're passed out in your car, in the, in the, in the, I'm not saying that's Sherm, that was the Marshawn one, but to be the, that level, you've got all the money in the world. You can't, you can't have hire a driver for the night if you know you're going out drinking or call an Uber, call a friend. It's, like, what, it's so what? easy to avoid that now. I mean, look, it, it used to be a huge hassle. Still, you should, you should always, you know, be thinking other otherwise but um now it's so easy i mean i even i bob have a uh, i have an uber and a lyft app on my phone i was able to and you know how to use them i do exactly (laughs) even more importantly so i mean the other thing is you know you you think about like can you imagine if if you if you're in an accident and you're the least bit drunk um you know and you kill somebody or i mean how how terrible would you feel it's just it's yeah, you would think that that would happen more, more, less often, just because of all the things that are available now. I mean, it, yeah, it used to be a huge hassle. You call, a, you had to call a taxi, or you had to have a friend pick you up, or something like that. But now, like you said, it's just it's just so easy. So I'm just disappointed to see that. I think Sherm's a mostly he's a smart guy, and you know, hopefully he doesn't have a problem. But yeah, this is this is bad. I mean, you you, you sit there and think like, what if what if you killed somebody else, or you know that. That, that to me is just, you would never live that down. It would oh. just be awful. I don't, yeah, I don't know how you would live with something like that. And, you know, I retweeted the story over the weekend, and we had people chiming in on it. Well, clearly the guy's an alcoholic. He's got a problem. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he's just making bad choices. You know, people can go out and drink. It doesn't mean they're an alcoholic, but he made a poor choice to get behind the wheel. Yeah. That's that's One doesn't mean the other is true to me. Now, the fact that he got in trouble with something related to alcohol before, and this is the second time. I can't blame people for thinking those things. I I don't know what's true. I don't know how much he drank or how, how often he drinks or what his habits are, but that, that's it's just kind of inexcusable. You're an adult. You're not a teenager. You're not a 21-year-old who's just got, you know, who's just now able to get into a bar and, you know, you're out there going crazy. You, you've lived a you lived a life under the spotlight. You know how it goes when you when you just say something that, Somebody deems the wrong thing. You're going to be in the headlines. You go out and do something like this? Come on, man. So yeah, that that was a bummer to see. And then this this thing with Cam Newton was was really weird. I don't know how many people had a chance to see this over the weekend, but there was there was a video in uh, that was from uh, Atlanta, a youth football event, 
that that Cam Newton was involved with. That it was a seven on seven youth football tournament in Atlanta, and you see, you see all of a sudden just a big scrum of people going after each other, and you see Cam's hair straight. He's got the the hair that sticks straight up in the air through the top of his Mary Poppins hat, and and that's the only way you can really tell it's him. And it looks like he kind of gets jumped by a, a few guys. And I don't know. It's hard to tell who's on which side. It looked like there were some people trying to hold him back, some people trying to take a swing at him. And he's like grabbing one guy and kind of throwing him to the ground. And I don't know what the heck that was, man. That was, I mean, a youth football event and somebody's coming after him. And I've still to this point have not seen any any indication as to what prompted it, why why he was a target or what maybe he said something to somebody. Who knows what the hell happened there. But it was all caught on video and just a – just a weird scene, and and the funniest part, of, or not funny, but interesting part of it was he didn't seem that phased by it. If you if he's watched the video, the whole thing, he's not flipping out. He doesn't look like what the hell was that. He was just kind of like, huh, all right. <laughs> it was just a it was an odd video for those of you who who have seen it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's everywhere, but it's 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 a really weird scene. Have you? Have you noticed the guy in the gray shirt that comes running in? That to me, that's the the biggest cheap shot. And remember, we had that. Who was the the player for the Forty Niners? Oh, that Le- came Lenore. In? Lenore. Yeah, don't remember. Whatever. Whatever. It, yeah, it was just you know two guys are engaged, and then he comes in with the sucker punch. There's a kid oh, Bobo. In a, there's a kid in a gray sweatshirt that comes running in there. I'm like, if I saw this video and I'm Cam Newton, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find that guy. Yeah, that's chicken bleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, the whole thing. You know, how does it get that heated? It was it was under seventeen. Well, I guess in one of the teams, Newton sponsors, or I don't know if the whole event he sponsored, but it's in the story. It says Newton's fifteen and under team won the championship at the event. Um, so I don't know if something, you know, was was born out of that. Somebody was upset about the way the game. Who knows? Who knows? But it, it just seems to be really unclear as to what sparked the whole thing why he was the target i don't maybe smack talk got out of hand who feelings got hurt dave you never know you know it just it's so disturbing when you have you know kids involved and you know and and when you have kids and they they see things like that i remember what was it what was that when it was the pistons and there was that huge brawl oh the malice at the palace Malice at the palace yeah Yeah, i just remember being so like disturbed by that because i mean what if you're there and you know you're with your kids or something like that but i'll say one thing about cam newton i mean look i we went to carolina it seemed like every year for a number of years and i remember being down on the field and seeing that dude run by you know i always talk about how chris jones and how huge he looked like he was like seven feet tall cam was a huge man He's I mean, a big dude. And he's got, I don't know if you, you see the, the particulars, but he's got one guy in a headlock kind of holding him, and then he's punching another guy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, for a quarterback, that's, that's pretty impressive. But like, it looks like they're all you know going after him. It looks like it's like four on one. Well, yeah, but that's the hard part to tell. It looked like some were trying to hold him back. Like, no, no, no don't do it because, I mean, you know, you're Cam Newton or anybody of no notoriety, you're going to get sued. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to say, he, 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 I can't see, hit me in the eye, and I'm, I can't see anything now. And, you know, he's just going to be ripe for a lawsuit. So hopefully that's what some of those guys were thinking. Like, you can't be involved in this because you're just going to be a big target for, for legal action. But, yeah, it was, it was hard to tell who was on which side. I couldn't really tell if they were trying to tackle him and he's just so big they couldn't get him to the ground or if they were trying to hold him back. And you're right, he had one guy by the clothes and he, like the, by the hoodie and he was kind of swinging him around. I'm thinking these probably feel like little kids to him after 
you know, have an Aaron Donald and those people come after him. Yeah. Okay. It's like a it's like a bunch of grade schoolers coming after him and he's like holding the ball up in the air, keeping it away from him. <laughs> kind of, that's that's kind of the way it looked. You see his hair sticking out of the top of his hat. That's yeah, what, that was weird. He's always made really he's been a, he's a very strange dude. Remember that he had that um, that style of um, like writing letter or numbers and letters. Oh, and, on uh, his Twitter was it on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, it was on his Twitter, yeah. and then they would put it in their press release. With, with he just he's just odd. He's, Different he's dude. An odd dude. Different yeah. dude. So I'm sure we'll probably hear more about it as the days go on. But no no word at this point as to what that was all about. Uh, meanwhile, it was a pivotal offseason for Julio for a number of reasons. We'll talk about what it means for the Mariners. Coming up next, it's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Mariners win today, their first win of... Uh, Preseason, spring training, whatever you want to call it. They're one and two. They lost the first two games, if that matters to you. But it's more to me more about watching the individuals and uh, keying in on maybe some of the young guys who could get called up. But one of the guys we haven't had a chance to see yet is Julio Rodriguez dealing with some soreness in his in his uh, hand or wrist area. So he has yet to play, but I'm certain that we'll see him soon. But one of the articles, we, we talked about the article in the Times from Ryan Divish about Scott Service going to see you know, kind of the core of the team went out to see six different guys, including Luis Castillo and J.P. Crawford, Cal Raleigh, Logan Gilbert, Ty France. and, and Yeah, I, uh, I didn't see Luis Castillo in that one. I mean, I, I didn't think that that would be a guy that he would go and see. I mean, that was – and that was the one that I thought well, I was kind of the most impressed with just because he had to go to the Dominican Republic and – He, he also know. stopped off to see Nelson Cruz while That's, he was there. I saw that. How about that? Yeah, what was that about? Just Nelson's a great guy. Yeah, he's like as long as I'm in the in your hood. Yeah, let's meet up. How cool is that? No, it shows you how much. Best. Nelson's just just a prince among men. He, he really, really is. is just a sweetheart of a guy. So yeah. that's pretty cool. That was a little side note, but but uh, so that was one article we talked about, and then the other one was the the story about Julio making known making it known to the front office that he didn't want them to trade Miller or Wu. which they did not. Now again, I'm not saying that's why those those two weren't traded. Probably more likely they just didn't get what they thought was reasonable return mm-hmm. for trading one of those. But maybe they did take into account the happiness of their superstar in in Julio Rodriguez. And he's a guy who's obviously a big fan of their rotation and what they've got there. Very young guys and just starting to scratch the surface of what they can do. And he feels like their rotation still gets overlooked. It's unbelievable what those guys can do. I feel like the people, like I said, people underestimate how young they are and like how much they're learning. Like you obviously got Castillo on it. Like everybody knows what he's gonna do. You got you have Logan, but then you have you got guys like Kirby. You guys you got Bryce Miller and Wu and like those are impressive guys. You know, like I feel like people forget. Let's say Wu and Miller, they just got back last year and they were going up against like teams like Texas, Houston, and like kind of having really good games, you know, so I feel like people underestimate all that. You got to love that from, from your teammate, especially, you know, a position player, um, Wu and Miller, just love that hearing that from Julio. And it was kind of surprising to me, you know, that, that he, uh, that he went out of his way to make sure that, you know, and I don't know what those two guys mean to him off the field, but I thought it was really cool. And just another step that he took as far as leadership goes. 
Julio mm-hmm. because you know we, we heard from him at the beginning of spring training, um, right about the time when they reported that you know he had a sophomore slump and he's going to take it personally and you know very seriously and all this and the way he talked, he just sounded way more mature, like he's settling in to being a professional ball player. He's twenty three now, Dave. Yeah, he's not a kid. I mean, <laughs> he was when he started. So yeah, I, I, I just I loved hearing that from him and he's also one of the guys that uh, that Scott Service went to see and you can see his leadership in different ways. How much does he, do you think that endears you to your teammates that he's he understands his value in that organization or his his power if you will whatever you want to call it and he's going to bat for you. Like if one of your if Elways went to yeah. the owner or the GM said don't you can't trade Wyman yeah, can't trade Wyman. I mean, that that what would that mean to you? It's huge. Yeah. yeah. So, and and by the way, I have a story about that. I when I got traded to the 49ers mm-hmm. and I failed the physical and came back the next year was 1988 and I had like a breakout year and everything and um and so I made a play in practice or something and whoever it was I can't remember somebody told me that they were standing next to Steve Largent and Largent goes and we tried to trade that guy what what were we thinking or something like that yeah and they came and told me that it felt like a million dollars yeah so you take know? that and assume Largent went to management and yeah. said I'm Steve Largent I'm the biggest name in this organization's history at that point. Don't trade this guy. Yeah. We need this guy. No, that, it was, that's got to mean the world to them. It's it's huge. And and again, like like he's, we were talking about, you know, these couple of pitchers and you know, he's a, you know, an outfielder. I mean, it's not like the position guys are I think I get the feeling that they have a pretty good group, but you know, a lot of times those guys are off on their own doing their own thing and mm-hmm. I just you know, for him to take the time to do that, and specifically, I would be like, "Hey, can you say that about me next year, Julio?" <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Maybe it gives you some leverage in contract negotiations. <laughs> like, you don't want to upset your superstar. Yeah, you need to keep me here. Uh, <laughs> but you you talked about him acknowledging the sophomore slump and you know his frustration, and he talked about that here, basically saying, you know, nobody is is upset or frustrated as fans are going to get you're not going to top his level of frustration with himself i want to win in this team i want to do the best that i can to be able to win in this team and like i know people will get frustrated but nobody's going to get as frustrated as i will be once i kind of fail you know but what the only thing i can do is learn from it grow from it work on it and come back here get better you know i feel that's the only thing i can control I i think that goes a long way even to some irrational fans Right, the irrational fans will get mad at the guy. Like, what are you doing, swinging at that? Or why didn't you swing at that? Or how do you not make that play? Mm-hmm. And they they feel like it means more to them than it does to the player. You know, yeah. I think I think hearing a player say, "Yeah, no matter what you're going through, I'm <laughs> nobody's more frustrated with me than me." Yeah, you oh, know, totally. And yeah, I, I think I feel like a lot of fans don't get how upset these guys truly get when they don't come through or when they. Football, they drop a ball or they throw a pick or they miss a tack, whatever. Something that costs their team. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Well, and it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of times it's the reaction. Like, why wasn't he more angry or why? Mm. But like, there's an old saying, don't let the same play beat you twice. I mean, you got to let it, you got to let it go. And, you know, and same thing for like, you know, uh, coaching and, you know, Scott Service. Service, he gets pretty heated. And I feel like it's always warranted. Because you don't want to do it all the time, but um, but yeah, every once in a while you'll see something happen, and like, well, service isn't even mad. Well, sure he is. Okay, and and number one and number two, 
you can't start screaming and yelling. And I told the story about the the guy I coached with that, you know, we were getting a bunch of penalties oh, and yeah. he's everybody out there. You guys need to calm down, <laughs> screaming like everybody in the stands could hear it. Especially in baseball, it's a hundred and sixty-two games. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. Right. You know, and 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 you're right. There are those people that get mad because players don't get upset or as upset as they think they should get. Mm-hmm. But then some of those people will be mad at Jared Kelnick for being upset and kicking the cooler and breaking his toe. Right. Or, you know, somebody smashing the daylights out of a bat rack and something bounces up and hits him in the head. I mean, it just, then it's like, what are you doing? Use your head, man. It's like, yeah. they're, they're kind of in a no-win spot. You know, either they overreact or they're underreacting. You, they're, you can't please everybody. I, I, knew, I know if I was a baseball player, I for sure would have beaten up a bat rack and got injured from it i'm sure I'm <laughs> you would have found sure a way that. to get injured yes. <laughs> the Always. bat would have hit back the rack yeah. would have hit you back somehow oh, man <laughs> yeah so but yeah i mean i feel like that's kind of a, a no-win situation but you know julio is always gonna you know he has that smile and every once in a while guys will smile after something bad happens and people misinterpret that but i think inside he's probably bubbling oh. but he's just trying to Take yeah. a breath. Just okay. All, All right. right. Hey, it's one. It's one that bad, and in four or five, I'm going to have in this game, and it's game one of 162. You know, the other thing about Julio, got to find your Zen, Dave. Yeah, is that right, Bob? <laughs> um, you must have got that from karate. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. I'm joking. Um, that's karate. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Julio. I, I I feel like early on, everybody was talking about how. Oh, you know, he's got this bright smile and he's always happy and everything. And everybody loved that. But then it became like, oh, well, how come he's not taking it more seriously? And how come he's not doing this and that? I mean, this guy's a professional. Like you said, nobody is feeling worse than he is at that moment. No fan could feel worse than yeah. him. The so, only, I would question very few players. Anthony Rendon, I would question him. Yeah, um, true. He's Because he's made one. it clear he's not really that invested. It's just what he does. So this is how I make my living. So yeah, I think it'd be fair. Here's a guy making two hundred seventy-five million. Maybe I'd like to see you act like you care. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> that know? was the dumbest thing I've heard an athlete say in a long time, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of dumb things that are said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up. How did one new addition react when he found out that he was traded to the Mariners? We're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. We talked earlier about uh, Richard Sherman being arrested for suspicion of DUI over the weekend. And this morning on First Take, uh, Shannon Sharp really expressed his disappointment and his concern that Sherman would lack perspective in choosing to drive drunk again. But what I don't understand is that Sherman has been in this situation before for him to put himself back in harm's way. Because you do realize this isn't about you. Because once you become, you inebriated and you become behind the wheel, you bring everybody else that's on the road, you bring them to the equation. Now you, hey, he got stopped. Luckily no one got hurt. But how many times? We just saw a guy get what, 12, 13 years in Henry Rose. Lady lost her life. He lost his career. And, and Sherm had just gone through this in yeah. 21. Not even two years ago. Yeah, it's time for, you know, you would think that after the first time, be like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm just not ever going to do that again. I'm not going to drink or, you know, certainly just be very dedicated to always being, you know, 
always being sort of aware of what your inebriation uh, level is. And, yeah, it, it, it's it's disappointing to hear from Sherm. I like Sherm. I, I really do. I think, you know, he's he's kind of one of those guys that's hard to like. But when you get him one-on-one and, you know, when, when we had him on, he really is – he's a different kind of person. I think everybody judges him based on – what was the – the very first thing he did. The sideline blow up after the 49er win? Yeah, with... Uh, Aaron with, Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was about Crabtree or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because Crabtree had been talking smack, and there was that legitimate hate between the two teams. And Do you remember the, the... I think it was the year before that. He was... The Super Bowl was in New Orleans, I think, and he was out on the streets of New Orleans interviewing people. And he's like, what do, you, what do you think about Richard Sherman? And nobody knew it was him. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. He, I mean, he got kind of calloused and jaded as time went on. His, his profile grew, his bank account grew, and the attention grew. And, yeah. and he just kind of became a little less, I don't know, available, which is fine. Which is fine. But he just seemed to have a different edge to him. Yeah. So some of the lightness was gone. Yeah. And then I remember he got mad when, um, you know, his uh, his – address was published yeah the times published his address for some reason i don't blame him for that yeah but i blame his real estate agent because you should know you can open it under you know you can do that whole transaction so it doesn't oh. say richard sherman you could find you know some kind of you could put josh mcgeggy exactly so <laughs> but he um, just couldn't spell it yeah he just how do you spell maybe we should have that as a uh, a text topic <laughs> how do you spell schmageggy Sweeping the dial. Come on. Our listeners? No way. Ah, no oh way boy. any of them know how to sh- spell Schmigaggy. Lefko taking a shot yeah. on Monday. Early. We got to get him in. Early we, need some, we need some mean tech, so <laughs> you can send him in whenever. But meanwhile, uh, down at spring training, uh, Luke Rayleigh talked to the assembled group of reporters, and you know they asked him how he found out uh, he was traded and what he thought when he heard the news. Uh, it was a little shocking, but um, you know it's always a good opportunity. Um, trades are typically not a bad thing for you, so... Um, you know, it's it's a new opportunity, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, I'm glad he's excited to be a part of it. That's great. You want people that want to be here. <laughs> it's always weird to me, though, the guys that don't know that they're like it's a surprise to them. Mm. Remember Draymond Jones? Yeah, yeah he was. Was he working out he was or working was he out? Lunch he saw or? it on the ESPN crawler. No yeah. fan, right? No offense, you're right. Yeah, it was no offense. Yeah, because it was part of the Russell Wilson trade. And was, was he was he eating or working out? No, working out, working out. Like Can you believe that? Like, yeah, and I think your he name was at there? home, but I think Dre had a similar experience where, yeah, he uh, he just didn't didn't have any idea. And I don't know, just the way my agent was, he always kept me, you know, abreast of everything. I I just I knew when something was coming. It's it's always shock, especially now. I mean, back then, you had to be near a dial-em-up telephone. <laughs> a rotary phone. Yeah. Like you said, the dial-em-up phone. You know, the dial-em-up. Give you the hound up. signal. I love you on the uh, on the stream. You can see I was doing this thing right here. <laughs> you were talking about wooden outhouses earlier, wooden porta-potties <laughs> and the rotary phones. He's just a man people, of the past. <laughs> people were texting. Like, they used to make porta-potties out of wood. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> Sweeping the dial. Well, we're in the early days of spring training, so uh, you get stuff like this. So the Rays were playing the Tigers yesterday, and a shallow pop-up into right center. Sure, you know, it's going to be out and out. Well, not quite in this game. He's under this one, skies it. 
Down to center. Who's going to catch it? Nobody. And now the ball's kicked back into right center field. Meidner's on his way to third. They're going to wave him all the way around. And he will score standing up. He circles the bases. And Ryan and Perez converging on that. And as Perez made a dive for it, then the ball was kicked beyond the right fielder, Ryan. And Meisner circles the bases, and the Rays pick up another run. That's an inside-the-park home run. Cadenas hit one to left out of sight, and Meisner circles the bases with the inside-the-parker. It's one of the more odd things you're ever going to see. I sent you the video. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. but It literally is deep second base is where the ball lands. I mean, it's yeah. in the grass. It's technically the outfield, but it's about as shallow center field as you can get. And four players converge, and one of them dives, and his foot hits the ball perfectly, kicks it into right field where everybody converged, so there's nobody there to go field the ball. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like his he it was his heel yeah. that hit it. And so it went a pretty good distance because of that. But it was like, you know, his he fell, the leg goes up, and it just kind of whipped it. I've, ne- I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've been watching baseball pretty religiously for the last 10 or 12 years. And I asked you that question because you've been watching it your entire life. And you always see something you've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> I had not seen that. It was, like, it was like the perfect, looked like a soccer kick, like a bicycle kick or something, you know, just... Intentional, but clearly, obviously, unintentional. We but, were we were talking about it, kind of comparing it to the Jamal Adams when he headbutted yeah. the uh, he had the header yeah. interception. That or the interception with his head did it I on think, purpose. Yeah, he aimed perfectly. <laughs> I think Julian Love was the one that got that. Yeah, bounced up in the air. But yeah, I mean, I've I've that one was pretty pretty rare that you see it go directly off his helmet and then straight up in the air or as high as it went but this one was was very strange can you imagine if that was in a like a high leverage game like a playoff game oh Oh my gosh yeah just it's so funny considering where the ball landed that that guy ended up scoring inside the park home run there (laughs) shallow center field deep second base score run i know because when you sent it it was the description and i'm like Hmm. Before I look at this, how in the world does this happen? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, that was, I did not expect that. And they said something. I don't know if you saw this left in the story. They were also remarking on something the scorekeeper did, like called it a home run to second or something like that. Some Something about the way the scorekeeper handled it was, was off as well. Did you see that? No, I don't. Must have skimmed through that. Yeah. I was reading fast to get to the end of it. <laughs> Just, yeah. you're like Wyman starting at the yeah. end. <laughs> I know. In yeah. case you die. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. Uh, all right, coming up, uh, Sweeping the Dial, by the way, is powered by Seattle University Men's Basketball. Coming up, he's been down there for a few days, and Mike Salk will join us, give us the latest from his perspective on the Mariners' spring training. That is coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.